Are you ready to build the best team ever? Well, you're in luck. Welcome to The Friday Habit with Mark Labriola and Benjamin Manley. The Friday Habit is for small business owners, freelancers, and creatives who are ready to take their business to the next level. Join us as we discover how to apply the strategies we learn to grow our businesses, make more money, and live every day like it's Friday. All right, welcome to the Friday Habit. We've got a great show for you today. Uh, we actually have a returning guest, our good friend, David Burkus. Welcome back to the Friday Habit. Hey, David. Oh, no, thank you all so much for having me. It's, it's great to be back. It's it's great to be invited back, right? Because that means at least the last one worked and and went yeah. pretty well. So thanks for that. Was, yeah, of course. Yeah. So that was episode 52. If you if you didn't listen to that episode, that was back in 2021. Um, how to build culture on a remote team. I'm curious, uh, you know, how did all that turn out for you? I mean, obviously the pandemic hit, you had this book ready to go, which was perfect timing. And um you know, what are some things that you learned over that uh, as far as, you know, building culture uh, remotely? And then what have you seen thus far as far as um, how that remote stuff is is sticking? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it, it's interesting. Uh, probably when we talked in 2021, we were all still trying to figure out how much remote versus I called it working from anywhere. You know, now we're sort of calling it hybrid. Mm -hmm. um, et cetera, where it was all going to shake out, you know? And, and I think now where we're at the, your average, like if you look across the, all of North America, let's say pre pandemic, only about 4% of people were working remotely. I think, uh, I think post pandemic, if we're there and if not, however many more months or years it takes to get there, we might see that number at eight or 10%, right? So the reality is that most people are not going to stay in that full work from home environment. And most of the folks, you know, if you're a business owner type listening to this, you're like, yeah, I want to see my people more often. I get it. Right. But I don't know that we're ever going back to your people are going to be there five days a week, eight hours a day, et cetera. There's a lot more need for flexibility that goes on in that. And I think that kind of led to that kind of led to what this book is about, this new book, Best Team Ever, because in that, even if you've got that hybrid culture, as soon as you have a team, that is, or a, a business where there are multiple teams, where there's not just everyone reporting to the one business owner, but you've got other people in there, then suddenly you, you actually, you have multiple teams. And so what tends to matter more is the culture of the individual team people are on. That was my big revelation. I think hmm. working with so many organizations from 2021 until now is that company culture, as it were, is kind of a bogus concept in a post pandemic world, right? It's not, it's not that it doesn't exist. Right. Just that most people's experience of work are the people they're working with. And that's usually the team or the project teams that they're on. It may not be the entire organization, depending on, on how large your business is. Right. So it's almost like like micro cultures, right? Depending yeah. on the size of the company. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I, I, I do. It does seem like especially, you know, for us, a lot of our clients. Uh, didn't go back to the office 100%. And uh, it turned more into a, a hybrid type of environment. Because it's one of those things, right? Like, when you taste that sweet, sweet nectar of working from home, yeah. it's like, <laughs> wait a back. second. Wow. You, 
Yeah. And, and I know you can't multitask. They say, oh, you, there's no such thing as multitasking. But I will say that I know people who can put a load of laundry in and do email <laughs> and do other things that they need to get done uh, in a work day. You know, yeah. so there's something about that that I think that big bosses, right, who are just disconnected from it, don't don't understand that, you know, and they're just like, no, we need everybody in 100 percent, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll say, like, I was trying to remind people pretty early on in the pandemic that this discussion is not actually about work from home. It's about autonomy, mm-hmm. right? It's, and, and especially if you're in the creative industry, right, you really value that autonomy and you've gotten a much higher level of it over the last few years. And you're not going back to that, right? Right. And that, again, that makes that, that means you can't rely on, oh, well, we have a great office environment. Like, but pre-pandemic, so many people attributed culture and we talked about this a tad on the uh, in the last interview attributed culture to like the perks of the office the free beer mm-hmm. or the the casual the foosball table the casual days what have you mm-hmm. and that's never been the case first of all and it's not the case with the team culture either and it, and it doesn't make that difference right and i think the other big change is the the pandemic kind of hastened the arrival of that quote-unquote gig economy right so if you're a creative entrepreneur you're now working on multiple different teams as multiple different clients and what have you, which means, again, looking at this much more on a team-by-team level uh, than a broad-scale mm-hmm. level. Yeah. So, so things have been good for you. I mean, you, you've been traveling, speaking, working from home. Yeah. No, life is, life is good. Thankfully, thankfully, travel's back, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, for me, I mean, I own, own the agency and I pay a hefty sum of money every month for rent. And so there's a, you know, I, a few of the team members, they work from home, you know, part, you know, rem- remotely part-time, you know, they'll be in the office, like kind of part-time. Um, but for me, I'm kind of like, well, it gets me out of the house. Uh, I get to use what I'm paying for. And uh, yeah, sometimes it's just easier to to be more focused and, and whatnot coming to the office. <laughs> you know, it really depends, right? And that's that's something all of the research has sort of shown is that it's not about it's not about, I mean, there might be an average of where people are, but in reality, it's about letting people know what environment works best for them and then giving the autonomy and the flexibility to find that environment from time to time, right? And most people are probably going to settle in the middle on, like you are, on, on, hey, it's great to do some of that work from home, but there's other times I want to be in the office, right? If, you, if, you, if you're like me and you have kids, they're 11 and 9-year-olds, I can hear them stomping around upstairs, actually, as we're recording this, because it's <laughs> summertime. Uh, yeah. you might want an office to work out of. If that's mm-hmm. not you, you might be more focused at home than you are at the office. It varies by person. And so the only solution is autonomy and flexibility. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So the new book, best team ever, exclamation point, uh, the surprising science of high performing teams. So it's a science. You're telling me that there's a equation that equals best teams. Yeah, I, I, I got the PDF. So thanks so much for, for sending that so we could check it out and read it beforehand. And there was a lot of um, great things and useful things in there that made me actually kind of think uh, and, and maybe even change a little bit of, um, you know, how I look at things. Uh, and so I, I, I do feel like, especially, you know, any of our listeners who have a small team or are trying to build culture, um, you know, there's... I think there's a, maybe a unique way of looking at how to do that. And mm. to, to your point, there's a science behind it, really. And it looks like you've kind of identified these three things like common understanding, psychological safety, and uh, pro-social purpose. 
Is that kind of like the, yeah, the that, crux of it? That's the science. I never thought of it as an equation, right? I, I look at it as sort <laughs> of like those, it's like chemistry. Those are the three elements and then they combine it and create that. And that's, you know, the, the science comes from, there's about, if we look specifically at teams, right? So the big pandemic revelation for me was we got to think much more about teams than we do whole organization. And then if you look at, there's about 40 plus years of great research in the world of organizational psychology and social science on specifically teams and team culture. And those are the three trend lines. Those are the three things you see most consistently. Sometimes that's a term that's well-established. Psychological safety is something that is, especially if you're in, in the creative industries, you recognize as something that's hugely important to harnessing people's ideas and helping them bring their true self. Common understanding of pro-social purpose are sort of my attempts to maybe combine, coin a term that combines a couple different streams of research and, and make it easy to remember. Because I don't know if you're like me, I can't remember anything after three, right? So if I came out with a list of four or five, we'd forget one. But uh, but three three is great. Could we dive into each of those? I would love to learn more about like what common understanding means in each of the following ones. So yeah, I'd love to learn more about the science behind that. And then like how how does that work practically? Are there any things we can do practically to help increase common understanding on the team? Yeah, yeah. So simple, easy definition of common understanding. It's how much team members have a commonly held perspective, or you might say understanding of the team's expertise, assigned tasks, you know, roles and responsibilities, but also context and preferences. And, and I almost like to think of it as two separate spheres of that, right? It's, does the team know what's expected of them? Do they trust that people are going to deliver on what's expected of them? In, in org psych, we call that role clarity. Does the team have a clarity of roles? Everybody knows what they're going to be held accountable to, and they know how to do what they're going to be held accountable to. But then there's kind of another element, which is, which is understanding of the person and the personality. And actually more so than the personality, the, their work preferences. Like we were just talking about how different people want to work in different environments. That's one difference you're going to see on the team. But then there's other preferences, right? Some people are, are email novelists that write out these long, drawn-out emails as they think through stuff. And other people write haikus with their thumbs on the, on the road when they shouldn't be driving, but they still do it, right? Everybody uses these tools a little bit differently. And you're not going to change people. Right. Even if you're the boss, you're not going to get mm -hmm. everybody on your team to do things exactly how you do them. So the next best thing is to understand those differences and have that conversation about, OK, what mediums do we want to use for what communication? Right. So that's what I mean when I say common understanding. Let's call it clarity of task, but also clarity of person and the people that you're working with. And, and I yeah, think that was go ahead. That was one thing that really like it's funny because I had never heard of a team charter before. And, you know, this idea of you know, like, what's the purpose of the team? Uh, who's on the team? What's the objective of the team? You know, roles and responsibilities, communication and collaboration, decision-making process, timeline milestones. Like, yeah. there's so many of these things on this, you know, in team charter that I was thinking like, you know, we're a small agency, but because of we're a small agency, not a big team or not a big company, I'm like, oh, this is exactly what we need in order to like get everybody on the same page and and have everyone feel like they're they're kind of a part of something. And then there's clear expectations and ways to do certain things so that everyone feels like they know what's going on. Because I feel like a lot of times clarity is probably one of the things that causes people to maybe feel dejected or not really feel included in their team. And having yeah. something like a team charter seems like it's would would solve a lot of those problems. Yeah, yeah. It's also, I mean, it's also, to be totally candid, ambiguity, the opposite of clarity, is also one of the number one reasons people feel burned out, right? It's not that mm -hmm. they're, some people are definitely over capacity, and that's what's driving their burnout. But a lot of times it's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be mm -hmm. doing right now that would be the most effective thing. And so I end up feeling burned out for that. So 
Yeah, I was. I mean, I was headed right there. My probably favorite activity to do with a team is a team charter, and it's not about the document itself. Um, although that can be helpful, especially for onboarding new people. It's about the conversation. Let's bring up these things. Everyone brings certain taken for granted assumptions about how we're supposed to operate, and especially if you're the one in charge. You have a, a host of different taken for granted assumptions about how your people are supposed to be working. And, th and then, of course, they violate those. But you never told them you expected that of them. And then so you're mm -hmm. mad at them. They don't know what they're mad at, they, you know, why you're mad at you, et cetera. So just having that conversation, right? Not only about roles, responsibilities, what's a like little, little things too. It can also be like, what's a reasonable amount of time uh, to respond to each other's emails before we float it up to the top of their inbox or before we call them, whatever. Is it 24 hours? Is it end of day? Mm. Different people have a different answer to that question. And so we should have that conversation. But then it's bigger stuff, right? What tools for project management are we going to use and how are we going to use them? And a lot of times people are having conversations around one project and three different tools for collaboration. And that's a problem, right? Because then we're not tracking it all. So just getting some standardization there can be huge. And then, so that provides the clarity, but having that conversation also provides the, that sort of clarity of people because you have to hear people's preferences. You hear their differences. And that helps you kind of better understand all of that and grow in that sense of empathy. So yeah, that's probably my favorite, favorite activity to do with a team to kind of build that common understanding. Do you just have like a, a template that you recommend or like a day? Do you take a day to say, hey guys, we're gonna work on this all together? Or maybe as a leader, do you say, all right, let me build an outline and then some questions to come quiz the team on? Or how did you recommend going through that? So as a leader, I think you come with questions. You don't come with answers, right? This isn't like, I'm gonna write a manifesto uh, of how we're going to collaborate. You want to have their input. So you come with questions. And the easiest way to get those questions, and I've got stuff like on my site where there are seated questions. We have them in the book too. But the easiest way to know what questions to ask are to think about the last six months of working together and where the miscommunications happened and where the conflict happened. Because most of the time, I mean, okay, there's some of the time that people are like really toxic and what have you, 4% of the population are sociopaths. So, but we're not talking about that. We're, we're talking about <laughs> talking about the majority of the time there's conflict or, or miscommunication on a team. It's because when you dive into the root issue, there was a misunderstanding about expectations or there was a taken for granted assumption about how people were supposed to act. And then someone violated that behavior. And so there's a question there you can ask, right? And that kind of gives you what those hints are. And you can also think about your own frustrations. Where have you been frustrated with the people that work for you or what have you? But again, the, the answer is not new rule. This is sort of like parenting 101, right? Like mm, the answer yeah. is not new rule. Now we're always doing this. The answer is why did that happen? Can we talk about why that happened and how we prevent that from happening moving forward? Um, and so those would be the questions. But what I do is I come prepared with those questions. And so I start out that meeting Usually it doesn't take a day. I mean, I, I usually about an hour to 90 minutes for a team okay. is enough. And, um, and we just go question by question. And we arrive at whatever, whatever answer we as a team kind of agree to follow. The thing that to stay right off the bat on the meeting is that this is, we're going to be following these norms, these rules for 60 to 90 days at most before we revise them. So we're not looking for, this is how we're going to live forever. We're looking for, can everyone agree to try it this way? Hmm. Right? And then we'll go question by question. New questions will come up for sure. That's fine. Just add them to the bottom of the list. We'll get to them when we get to them. And then when we exhausted all of those questions, now we have our document. Sometimes I rewrite it as a charter. Sometimes I leave it as like frequently unasked questions about our agency, right? Whatever you want to do. <laughs> um, right. But then the idea is we kind of lock that document and everybody sort of agrees. This is how we're going to operate. We set a date for when we revisit it. And when that date comes, we go, okay, let's look at these. Did everybody follow them, first of all? If they didn't, why not? And then if they did, how'd it work? 
And what do we want to change? Right. And if you have new people that you bring into your team, if you have new people to bring onto the organization, I wouldn't change it right away. I would say, here's the user's manual to our team, but we're going to revise it soon and, and you'll have a chance to speak into it. So it's really important then what I'm hearing from you is that to not create this in a silo as a leader, mm -hmm. not to sit down and look at these questions and answer them, answer them yourself, but to actually bring in your team and collaborate with them. Yeah, right? ex exactly. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about, uh, I'm thinking about, you know, it was about, I think it was a year ago or so there was this huge blowback. I'm sure you probably saw this among uh, the company Basecamp, right? Which is a great mm -hmm. creative company that makes an awesome software that a lot of people who listen to this probably use as their project manager software. But this is essentially what happened. There was a lot of conflict in and among people uh, around political issues and social issues and what have you. And the leaders basically swooped in and said, new rule. And it didn't go all that well, right? Mm. Now, now the people who stayed loved the new rule, but a third right. of people left, <laughs> right? Which is a problem. So I think you can get to the same result. And I think even the founders have talked about this, you know, post haste that, that what they did was they came on too strong, too fast. You can guide a conversation where we agree that, hey, these social issues are still on the table, but these political things are not. We can have that as a conversation among adults, right? And so that's what you want to do. That way people, first of all, they feel seen and heard. They don't feel sort of violated. Second of all, the conversation is the value for building common understanding. So when they hear each other's answers, they understand more about each other's work preferences and what have you. Um, and then last, they're most likely to follow it if they feel like they had a part in creating it. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like that part especially is true. You said it's parenting 101, getting your kids involved in decision-making and problem-solving. I'm like, I feel like that's parenting 301. I didn't figure that out for a long time. <laughs> But I think it works so well. It works so well, you know. That's pretty, pretty awesome parenting. If you're if you're involving your kids in the decision making, like, oh, this didn't go well. How do you feel about that? You know, yeah. whatever that might be. But I do think that that's that is a really good parallel between parenting and being a good team leader. You know, and in that you just want to involve people and empower them in decisions because then there's something psychological too about oh, I had a part in creating this, and therefore you actually believe in it. And you're not just like okay. You, you went through the reasoning yourself and came to that conclusion, yeah. not just being told something and you didn't really think through it yourself. So I feel like that's that's a great tip. All right, we're going to pause this conversation here. Uh, go to thefridayhabit.com. There you can find show notes for this episode. Uh, there you can also find links to our websites and ways to get in touch. At the bottom of the page, you can download our guide to the Friday Habit System that will show you how to set aside one full day each week dedicated to working on your business instead of in your business. If you're not already, make sure you subscribe. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear next week's episode, subscribe so you get notified. Uh, also, leave us a review in Apple Podcast app uh, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to potentially be on one of our episodes uh, with a question you ask us, Go ahead and record a quick message in your phone, voice memo, and email it to hello at thefridayhabit.com. Until next time, live every day like it's Friday. Friday.